I have been uh, thinking, it seems like, a lot more lately about the times that we are in in our culture and right now in our country and in our world. And last week I said that we are in some dark times. And I believe you would probably agree with me as you look around what's happening in our society uh, in this world, there are some dark times. We have economic problems and relational problems and social problems, and international problems and cultural problems. And I mean, a list goes on, spiritual problems, relational problems that are happening all over the place and all around us. In, unless you're living under a rock, I mean, you know that this world is full of problems and they continue, it seems like, to get worse and even build more. I believe that God wants us, the church, people who are Christ followers, I believe that God wants us to set an example to this world that needs hope and peace in troubled times. You agree with me? I believe that's our job as Christians to say, who am I in Christ and know who I am in Christ. And when things are going bad and things are going tough, that we are not a poor me society that we say, you know what? Yeah, it's hard. But boy, I've got a savior who's helping me carry me through it. And we set that example for a world that needs to know there is hope when times are dark. In these troubled times, we deal with stress, whether we want to or not. It's going to come. Chances are you've walked in this place today and you're carrying some stress or many stresses with you. I think stress comes from kind of mainly three areas. One is uh, uncontrollable circumstances. That's the kind of stress that's unchangeable stress where you feel helpless because the situation is out of control. I mean, it could be simple, as simple, as mundane as being stuck in traffic, like driving up and down Leestown Road or New Circle Road. And you're like, my stress level is going up because these orange barrels are driving me crazy. It it could be something like your plane getting delayed and you're supposed to be somewhere and all of a sudden your plane tickets messed up and all of a sudden stress level gets high. It could be something a little more serious like the economy or being laid off of work which you would you would have no control over. It's out of your hands or uncontrollable circumstances. It could be deeply painful like a terminal illness that's out of your control when the doctor announces and says this is what you have or this is what your friend has or this is what your loved one has. Something that you can do nothing about. It's uncontrollable circumstances, but they enter our life. You've been around here for a long enough time. You've seen me and heard me teach about the wheel of life. And the wheel of life is going to roll on and on and on. Family, life, career, things. In those things, there's uncontrollable circumstances. There's a second area that falls in this uh, stress-producing society. And maybe you have this in your life. Some uncooperative people uncooperative people in your life. People that just make your life difficult. Now, no husbands and wives, don't be throwing any elbows. Some of you are thinking about some people right now in your mind. They just don't get with the program. If they would just do things the way I want them to do things. Amen. (laughs) All of us have some people in our life that kind of are just our crazy people, right? I mean, they're your friends. You love them and you think, but boy, they're bringing the drama. And you know when you get around them, stress is going to happen. Now, I have a long list of people in this church. No, just kidding. I don't. Just kidding. I should have used that first service too. 
I think sometimes there's just people in our lives. They're ungrateful. They're not thinking about anybody else themselves. They're just kind of in la-la land. Sometimes they're cranky. Sometimes they're crazy. Uh, This causes stress because you have certain people in your life. And you're going to have that as the wheel of life rolls on and on and on and on. There's a third area, and it's called unexplainable pain. Things that we can't explain. Unexplainable pain is a pain that just doesn't make sense. It's You see no rhyme or reason to it. You see no good purpose in it. It's the type of pain that you would stop and you'd ask God, God, why is this happening to me? God, why are you allowing this in my life? And you want reasons and you want answers. And quite honestly, you're not finding the reasons and the answers. And sometimes that brings stress. These kinds of things happen in life, and we have no control over them. The uncontrollable circumstances, the uncooperative people, the unexplained pain, these things are going to continue until one day when we go to the grave. And quite honestly, in these kind of stresses, there's really nothing we can do about it. You're going to have to just live with it. And you're like, preacher, I don't want that answer, and I don't like it. I'm carrying stress, and you're going to tell me I just have to live with it? And there's not much I can do about it? There's one thing you can do. But it's not easy. The one thing you can do is you can surrender. You can surrender your life, your situation to God and say, God, it's out of my control. I put it in your hands. The only solution to serenity or to peace is to surrender. I mean, if you get nothing else out of today's message, you've got to hear this. Peace comes through surrender. If you're dealing with stress and anxiety and being overwhelmed and you're worried about what's next and how I'm going to handle this, or God, I just can't handle anymore, the only answer to to have peace enter your life is to surrender. Peace comes through surrender. And that leads us to the second phrase of the Lord's Prayer in this prayer series that we started last week. Looking at the Lord's Prayer and breaking it down. Last we looked at the phrase, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We walked into that verse and we stopped with Our Father and we didn't get much further. But we addressed Our Father. Now, if you missed the message, I want to encourage you. Go to our website, watch it, listen to it, podcast it. Because each of these messages, the seven messages, connect together as we look at the Lord's Prayer and how do they fit together. And we've got to get the understanding that God is our Father and He's the best Father possible ever to have. And that he is holy. And as you understand that, then you can kind of move on to this next verse to go, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of surrender. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Most people have no idea what this means. If I sent a piece of paper out and said, hey, you write down, what does this mean? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have a plethora of answers to that, trying to explain it. And some of you may even, to be honest, may put a question mark going, I'm not really sure. And that would be okay. So let's talk about this idea of kingdom. What is God's kingdom? Let me tell you what it's not. It's not a political entity. I don't care if you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, if you're some other whatever choice is out there. It doesn't matter. And quite honestly, I'm not sure that God cares. God's kingdom is not political. It's not national. It's not governmental. What it is, is it's it's eternal and it's universal. It has nothing to do with, with the government. We're not trying to set up a theocracy where priests rule in the name of God or of some kind of God. That's not what God's wanting to do. The Bible says in John 18, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. 
It's not of this world. So we're not trying to set up God's kingdom as a physical, political, or institutional entity here on earth. That's not his goal. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. His plan, get this, his plan is much larger than in this world. Now, now I think sometimes we get stuck and think that God's plan deals with just us or as Americans. And that is so far from the truth. And it's much larger than the United States, much larger than any country, much larger than the world. The second thing is that the Bible that the Bible says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. It's not a matter of things that we say, but of power. What does that mean? That means that the kingdom of God is not just something that we talk about. It's not just conceptual. It's not just confessional. It's not just creedal. It's not something you sit around and debate and discuss and dialogue. It's something that you do. The kingdom of God is something that you do. The kingdom of God is not just a matter of talk, but a matter of power. That means it's transformational. That means the kingdom of God changes lives. And if you're willing to surrender, it could be your life. It's not just some head knowledge. It's not something that we preachers go to seminary to study and then talk about. It's not the words that matter. It's the work of God that matters. It's the God's work in the world. That's the kingdom of God. The problem is, a lot of us Christians, all we have are words. We're like politicians. We say a whole lot with no action behind it. And we sit and watch the political debates and we wonder about, well, they make these promises and those promises and sometimes we're just like them in our Christian walk. We get up and say, well, God is this and God is that. And we sit in Bible studies and we talk about it and we discuss it and we say, well, this is what theology means. This is what the doctrine means. And this is what the application means. This is what I should do. Great. That was a great Bible study. Go home. Man, that was really good. And we do nothing about it in our own lives. The kingdom of God is to be transformational, to do work in our lives. Here's the third thing the kingdom of God is not. Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. In other words, it's not material, but it's living right with God and a life of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Notice the kingdom of God is spiritual. It's living right with God and it's relational, living a life of joy and a life of peace. In other words, it's all about connecting, connecting to God. And connecting to one another. Love God, love people. So what's the kingdom of God? Where, where is this kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is king. Wherever Jesus is king is the kingdom of God. If he's king in your heart, then the kingdom of God is with you. If he's king in heaven, then the kingdom of God is in heaven. If he's king here on earth, and one day when he comes back, then the kingdom of God is on earth. In fact, the Bible says all three of those things. The Bible says the kingdom of God is in heaven. The kingdom of God is within you. And the, and the Bible says the kingdom of God is on earth. It's wherever Jesus is king, wherever his rule and reign is, is the kingdom of God. In fact, the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done, the second phrase explains the first. It's kind of a redundant statement. To say your kingdom come, your will be done is the same thing as, as the kingdom of God is wherever God's will is to be done. Wherever God's will is done, the kingdom is there. If God's will is done in your family, then the kingdom of God is in your family. If God's will is done in this church, then the kingdom of God is in this church. If God's will is done in your workplace, then the kingdom of God is sitting in your, at your desk and in your workplace. If the kingdom of God is done in your factory, then the kingdom of God is in your factory. If the kingdom of God is being done on a baseball field, then the kingdom of God is on the baseball field. If the kingdom of God is being lived out in your neighborhood, then the kingdom of God is in your neighborhood. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
is the same thing. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we've got to ask the question, why do we pray that? And I would suggest that we pray that because most of the time God's will is not being done here. I would suggest we pray that because most of the time what we see happening in and around us in our culture is not the kingdom of God, it's the kingdom of me, myself, and I. And so we need to start praying, God, your will be done, not my will be done. A lot of times you hear something bad happening and we say it must be God's will. Maybe you've said that before. A loved one who gets sick. Or, I remember, or you hear it when catastrophe hits. For, I mean, Katrina hit. And what did you hear? Well, that, that must be God's will. I want to tell you, that's not God's will. When bad things come and terrible things happen, that's not God's will. God's will is not evil. God's will is not sinfulness. God's will is not making uh, bad decisions. That's my will. God's will is not choosing sin. God's will is not always done on earth. And that's why we pray this prayer. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we know God's will is really not happening around us. And many times it's not happening in my life because I have the struggle to do what I want to do. And not let him do what he wants to do. The phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done, is to pray a prayer of surrender. Prayer of surrender. It says, God, you're in charge. God, you're in charge. You're in control. What's unchangeable in my life, those uncontrollable circumstances, the uncooperative people, the unexplained pain. God, I'm giving it all back to you. I don't want it anymore. Can't handle it. It's too much. What does it mean for the prayer, the prayer of surrender? I think it means that you make four stress-busting choices. Make four choices. If you've got uncontrolled circumstances in your life and you've got some uncooperative people in your life and, and quite possibly you have some things that are unexplainable pain, then I think the only answer is to have a prayer of surrender that you pray daily and if not even just daily, multiple times throughout a day. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven, we're saying, Lord, I surrender. Now, surrender is the only solution for serenity. It's the only solution. You're here today, you're stressed out, you need peace, you're overwhelmed. You walked in here and you said, oh my goodness, I didn't want to go to church, but my husband made me go or my wife made me go, or I've been missing for some time and so I finally got out of bed. But you really would rather stay home and pull the blankets up and said, man, I'm just going to sleep in and I look forward to football coming and then hopefully I can take off tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday from work. If that's your mindset, you probably need to hear this message that God wants you to surrender. He wants you to let go. What does it mean to say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Surrendering means four things. First of all, letting go of control. Every day you get up in the morning, you have to decide who's going to be in control of your life. Is it going to be you or is it going to be God? That's a decision every single day we need to make. Every day it's a battle. There are things in your life that you don't want to give up control of. You want control. I mean, truth be told, there are verses in the Bible that if you had your way, you would get your scissor and you would cut those out and say, I don't like those verses. And truth be told, for some of us, we'd open our Bible and tear out whole chapters and whole pages and say, I don't like that book. Let's get that out of there. Truth be told, if we were to rewrite the scriptures and set up the way we want, we probably could read the whole Bible in probably 10 minutes or less. Because sometimes it's hard for us to let go of control. 
it's hard for us to start with the mind that says, God, I'm giving up control because you can control the things that are out of control in my life a lot better than I can. Psalm 46.10, the psalmist said, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. God's Word translation writes this verse and says, Let go and know that I am God. I rule the nations. I rule the earth. Let go and know that I am God. God says, I'm in control, so you need to let go and know that, I'm, that I am God. Do you have enough faith in God that you can say, God, I let go of it, you're in charge? I don't know what you're going to face this week. I don't know what I'm going to face this week. We don't know what we'll face this afternoon. But I can already tell you what God wants you to do. Whatever you're going to face this week, whatever it is you're going back to work to, whatever it is you're going back to your home to, whatever it is that's come that's uncontrolled or unexplainable, God wants you to let go and know that He has it all under control. And we don't have to have the answers. Let go of control. That, that's the starting point. Letting go of trying to figure it all out and know that I, I can't figure it all out and let it go. And sometimes that's not good enough because we say, well, I got, I got to ask why though, God. God, God I got to have the answers though. Can you explain it to me, God? I, I want to why. Let me just make this comparison. It'll probably make sense, especially if you're a parent. When your children come to you and they say, why, and why, and why, and why, you might try to explain some of that, and you might try to give them some answers, but ultimately it comes down to, I'm dad, you're the child, just do it and trust me. Sometimes it doesn't matter how much I try to explain situations to Luke and Caleb and Lily Grace, they don't get it. The other day we were driving down the road in the car and they were talking about some stuff, and I just said, I can't wait till you all are 42. I said, you will then understand what I'm trying to teach you. And I wonder if God doesn't think that. I just can't wait till you get to heaven because then you might understand it. If we even care. I don't think we'll really care at that point. But do you have enough faith and trust in God to say, God, I know you have my best interest in mind. I know you love me so much that you will take care of me. I hope my kids understand that. I love my kids so deeply. I'll do everything I can to protect them and help them. And I want their absolute best. Sometimes they don't understand it when I say yes or when I say no or when I tell them this is how we're going to do things. And sometimes they just need to accept that God, my dad loves me. And sometimes we need to accept that God loves me. The truth is, we just don't like the word surrender. And the truth is, my kids don't like me to tell them what to do. And so they don't want to surrender. See, when we think of the word surrender, we think of waving the white flag. I forfeit, or I lose, or I submit. And we're taught in our culture, don't ever submit, don't ever lose, don't ever give in. But that's the very thing we need to do. That's the call of the gospel. Surrender. Because it's out of our control. The number one reason I think you're under stress is because you're in conflict with God. Stop and think on it for a moment. The number one reason we have stress is because we're in conflict with God. You're trying to do the things that only God can do. You're trying to control things that only God can control. You can't control your husband. Ladies, can I get an amen? Amen. And men, you can't control your wives. All right. You guys are catching on fast. You can't control your job and your boss. You can't control your future. 
You can't control the past and all the stuff that you've dealt with. And the more you try to do it, the more you try to play God, that puts you in opposition with God. It puts you in battle with God and fighting with God. And any conflict with God, I'm just going to tell you, we lose. Every time we battle Him, we lose. Not only are you going to lose, you're going to be tired. You're going to be worn out. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to be fatigued. You're going to want to stay in bed and pull the blankets over your head and say, forget it. You're going to be emotionally drained. And we need to pray the prayer of surrender. Surrender, first of all, means letting go of control. Second, it means learning to be content. The second key to inner peace is learning contentment. I mean, we have other options when it comes to our stress and our anxieties. There's other options. I mean, we can worry about it. Does that work? It's never worked for me. Uh, we can resent it and get bitter about it. Does that work? No, that just makes you a bitter, unhappy person that nobody wants to be around. Uh, we can feel guilty about it or, or ashamed about it and regret it and go, man, that's just so terrible. I messed up. That doesn't work. We can have self-pity about it. Oh, my life is so horrible. Oh, poor me. It doesn't work. We can be fearful, and that doesn't work. There's only one thing that works in situations that we cannot change, and that's acceptance, learning to be content. Look what Paul said in Philippians 4. I am not saying this because I am need, for I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Now, the Apostle Paul writes these words to the church in Philippi, and let me just tell you, he was not sitting in a five-star hotel. He was in a prison in Rome. And when he's writing these words, I have learned to be content in all situations, he is chained to a Roman, chained up to a Roman soldier in a damp, dark place, in a prison, sitting with this big, ugly dude who's controlling his life on a dirt floor, probably not eating much, has been beaten and imprisoned, and he says, I know what it's like. I've had plenty and I've had little. I've had good days and I've had bad days. I've had times when it's been up and when it's been down, but I've learned to be content in all situations. Notice three things here. Paul says contentment is a learned experience. Experience. It doesn't come natural for us. We're not born and come out of the, out of the womb going... I'm going to live in life being content. That's not how we're born. By nature, we are not naturally content. It's something that we learn. And so sometimes the difficulties we walk through are just learning experiences to grow in contentment. Two, I think it's a mark of maturity that Paul is pointing here to. See, it's emotional maturity to learn contentment. Immature people are never content with anything. And they're always discontent. They're always upset. They've not learned how to be content. Now, I used this illustration earlier. We kind of chuckle about it. But some of us are not content that there's orange barrels all over this side of town. Almost as many orange barrels are there as people. I mean, they're everywhere, right? How many times have you or have you heard people just constantly complaining? I'm so tired of the traffic. I'm so tired of when they're going to get this done. They're not making any progress. Traffic is so slow. It's all backed up. You know what? It's going to be beautiful tomorrow when Citation opens at 3 in the afternoon. (laughs) And it's going to be really nice at the end of the year when Leastown is open. 
And next year, it's going to be wonderful when New Circle Road gets completed. But our complaining and griping and lack of contentment doesn't help anybody see Jesus. All they see is us being whiners and complainers. And sometimes, what about just saying, driving down by the orange barrel and saying, God, thank you for these men and women who are out here working. Thank you, Lord, for improvement. What about just having a heart of thankfulness? It's an act of maturity. It's a choice. The other thing I want to point out is that, that it's a choice that's only possible through the strength of Christ. Paul said, I've learned this through how? Through the strength of Jesus Christ. That's how I do this. Are you discontented? You need to realize all you're doing is hurting yourself and destroying your witness. You're hurting yourself and destroying your witness when you live in a life of just being discontented. And discontented is robbing you of inner peace and putting stress on you that is undue. If you want serenity, serenity in the storms of life, surrender to God. Surrender to Jesus. It not only means letting go of control. It doesn't only mean learning to be content. It means laying down my plans. Laying down my plans. I don't know if you've noticed. I've sure noticed that my plans get changed a lot lately. How many people in here are planners? You like to-do list? Only like four of us? How many people are here are liars? <laughs> or just say I'm not participating in his crazy games? Us who are planners, this section's not exactly fun, but I mean, I preach this, I'm preaching to myself. You guys understand when you write a sermon and put a sermon together, um, you know, God beats me up throughout the week and I get to come here and just give it to you. Um, this one's a hard one. We got to surrender our plans. I mean, I make all these great plans. I go to bed the night before and I'm thinking, okay, tomorrow I'm going to get done A, B, C, D, and E. And then I wake up in the morning and the plans get messed up. They get, they get distracted. And I get home that night and I go, I had plans to finish A, B, C, D, and E. And I didn't get any of them done sometimes. Because things happen. Problems happen. Problems deter plans. Sometimes big problems. Sometimes little problems. You have plans, but problems. Because life is full of problems. And what we want to get done many times doesn't get done. And here's the truth of life. When you think okay, I've got that problem all the way and now I'll be able to get onto my plans. Many times there's another problem right behind the one ready to come right on in and get in the way of what's going on in life. So you have to lay down your plans because problems are always going to be part of life. Why don't my plans work out? Why does this thing go on that we have these problems? I think there's three reasons. First of all, I think it's because we make bad choices. We don't always use our time wisely. Sometimes we get rushed, we get pressured, we get uh, deadlines we can't meet. Um, we don't use our money wisely, so we get in, in debt overextended. We don't eat right, we don't rest right, we make all kinds of bad decisions. And then we blame those things on God. Most of them just because of our own choices. Why do our plans not work? I think this is the big one. We have an enemy and his name is Satan. He wants to destroy you. Satan wants to defeat you, de defeat you. I mean, before you wake up in the morning, he's already making plans how to make your day difficult. He's already thinking, how can I destroy your day? He doesn't want you to succeed. And if you wake up in the morning and you don't meet the devil face to face, then maybe you've got to consider, are we just heading in the same direction? See, he wants to dupe you. And he's going to battle us throughout the day. There's a third reason. I think it's because we live in an imperfect world. 
Sometimes our plans don't work just because this world's not perfect. I mean, Adam blew it. Sin entered the world and everything on this planet is broken. Every stinking thing. Nothing works right. Your body doesn't work right all the time. You guys understand. I mean, especially as you get older, you start to realize, man, this thing just, that ouch that used to be over in a day or two now takes two weeks. That sore muscle that used to be over in a day or two now takes maybe two months. The body just doesn't work right all the time. Your relationships, they don't work right all the time. The economy, <clears throat> do I see, need to say more? doesn't work right all the time. The weather doesn't work right all the time. Nothing works right all the time because we live on a broken planet that is full of sin. And sometimes our plans just get messed up because we live in this broken world. So as a result, sometimes you have problems that are absolutely nobody's fault. And let me warn you, church, don't think because someone's going through a difficult time, they don't trust God or they don't have faith like you have faith or God's trying to punish them. Sometimes life just happens. In John 9, there's a story about a man who was born blind. Jesus is walking down the street with his followers, his disciples, and they saw this man who was born blind from birth. The disciples asked this question and said, Lord, who caused this man to be born? The, the man, his sins, or his parents' sins? And Jesus replied, neither sinned. In other words, he's saying, it's not anybody's fault. This happened so that the work of God could be displayed in his life. There's going to be problems in your life. They're going to happen. The way to handle our problems demonstrates our faith in God. And God wants to display the work of God in your life. He wants our lives walking through our problems to demonstrate we have a faith in Him. Surrendering to Jesus means letting go of control, learning to be content, laying down plans, and lastly, leaving the future to God. Surrender means leaving the future to God. I'm not going to try to live in the future. I'm going to live today one day at a time. I decide that no matter what happens during this, during this season of my life, I'm going to live for God now. I'm going to leave it to Him what the future holds. I'm going, to not, I'm going to decide in advance to leave the results up to God that I live right now for today. And sometimes we're thinking about what's tomorrow bring and what's the end of the week bring and what's six months down the road bring and what's a year bring and, and how am I going to pay for my kids' college and how am I going to take care of this and how am I going to take care of that and all those things that we worry about many times God has it already taken care of or He has a whole new plan that you're not even aware about. I've learned it's a lot easier just to live today. It's a whole lot easier to walk in Christ, abide in Christ, and say, God, I'm going to live today. If you want us to put some plans together for the future, we'll work on those things, but let's just live for today. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord. That's a verse of serenity. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Then I'm not going to lean on me. I'm not going to lean on me. I'm going to lean on God. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. What does that mean? He'll make your path straight. It means he's going to keep you on the right track. It means if you live in him and you trust in him, he'll keep you going in the right direction. He says, if I choose to trust the Lord and, and, and I listen to him, then things are going to be okay. But if I don't choose to trust the Lord and, and I choose to trust in myself and only listen to myself, then things are not going to be so okay. That's where God wants you to be. Let's, let's dig a little deeper together. Would you like to have less stress and more serenity in this season of life? I would say most of us would probably say, yeah, I would love to have that. 
then you have a decision to make. We have a decision to make. And it's a decision that we really need to make daily. The decision is, am I going to do what I think is best or am I going to do what God tells me to do? The decision is, am I going to do what I think is right or am I going to obey God's word as I understand God's word? The decision is, am am I going to really let him be the one who drives my car or am I going to have to take the steering wheel from him all the time and say, no, God, I really want to be in control. God says, when I tell you what to do and you do it, I'll take care of you. When I tell you what to do and you do it, there will be peace and there will be serenity even when difficult times will come. You will learn this idea of being content. So here's the question. What area of your life is not surrendered to God? What area of your life is not surrendered to God? I mean, maybe you surrendered the kitchen and the living room, but what about the bedroom and the closet and the garage? What area of your life is not surrendered to God? Some of you have not surrendered your sex life to God. You say, oh, I understand that God's word says that sex is supposed to be for marriage between a man and a woman, but I'm just going to kind of ignore that and do it my way. And now you're living in a life filled with stress, anxiety, and worry, and guilt. Some of you not surrendered your finances to God. You say, oh, I, I know God says I should give first 10% back to him in tithing, but you go and debate the scriptures and argue the scriptures and say, no, I'm going to do things my way. And you say, I can't afford to tithe. And your finances continue to be a major stress in your life because you're not honoring God and saying, God, I surrender this to you. Some of you not surrendered your relationships to God. You say, I know I should forgive that person. I know they hurt me. I know they wronged me. And I know I should forgive them. But boy, they hurt me so bad I could never forgive them. That's bringing undue stress and pain and hurt to you. Some of you have a secret sin. Quote, unquote, secret. You think it's secret. Maybe your friends don't know about it. Maybe your wife or husband doesn't know about it. Maybe the people you associate with church don't know about it. But God knows about it. Some carry a secret sin and you have a habit that you've not surrendered to God. You have a hurt. You have a hang up that you've not surrendered to God. And God's saying, let go of it. Turn it over. Some of you never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Oh, you come to church periodically. You hear the word proclaimed periodically. You know that God's been knocking on your door saying, when are you going to let go and surrender your life? Because I have a much better plan for you. But you say, no, I keep doing it my way. And your way's not working. A couple of people we baptized in their 40s. But one guy I remember about two years ago, we baptized him. And he said, I've tried it my way for 40 years and my way's not working. I can tell you, your way won't work. And God has a much better way to say, you know what? I'm going to surrender to him. I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to walk in him. And maybe you need to surrender yourself and give your life to Christ and be baptized. And even do that possibly today. What area of life is not surrendered to him? What area are you not holding up the white flag and saying, God, I want to quit battling you. God, the war's over. I surrender. I'm not going to fight you anymore. God, I want the serenity. I want the peace. I want the stress gone. And until you get to the point of being tired of being at war with God, the stress, the overwhelmness, the tiredness, it's going to be there. 
Surrender is the ultimate expression of faith to say, I'm not in charge, God, you're in charge. Let me be very direct as we close. Jesus said in Luke 14, you must give up everything to be my follower. Not some things. He didn't say, I'll just give up a few things. He didn't say, just give up what you want to give up. He said, you must give up everything. Matter of fact, the scripture says, you've got to leave your mom and your dad and your brothers and your sisters and your jobs and all the things you desire. You've got to give up everything when you come to Jesus. That's a major call. But notice the benefit in Mark 10. Jesus said, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields. And in the age to come, eternal life. Do you know what a hundredfold is? A hundredfold interest rate is 10,000%. Anybody here want an investment of 10,000% return? We won't find that at the bank, will we? You're not going to find that in the stock market. You're not going to find that in some hedge fund in America. The only place you're going to find that is when you surrender it all to Jesus and say, here it is. And he says, I'll give you back 10,000% rate, particu- uh, 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 rate in these times. And I highly recommend you give it all to God. Surrender. Because he'll restore it and he'll multiply it. And he's saying, I want to restore it a hundredfold back to you. I'd say that's a pretty amazing thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, so many people today hearing this message are just flat stressed out. Stressed out, God, because of uncontrollable circumstances. Stressed out, God, sometimes because of uncooperative people. Stressed out sometimes because of unexplainable pain. We look for solutions, God. We look for explanations when really what we need to do, Lord, is we need to look for you. God, I pray that today that those who are here today are experiencing deep stress will experience a peace of surrender. Father, there are some in this room who have held out for so long that they don't, they don't even know how to let go. God, I ask you to help them to relax in your love right now. To know that they can receive the love of the Father. I want to ask you to pray with me and maybe pray something like this in your heart. Because I imagine sitting in this room, there's something in the area of surrender that we all need to do. Would you pray, God, I am tired of fighting and resisting. God, I'm waving the white flag. Think about the area of surrender in your life. Where is it you need to say, I wave the white flag. I'm not going to try to control it anymore. God, I give up. I give in. I surrender. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my life. Father, I want this to be my daily prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Jesus, I let go of control right now. What area is it that you need to let go of control right now? I want to learn to be content right now. God, I want to lay down my life for your plan and purpose right now. Lord, I leave my future to you. God, please replace my stress with your serenity, with your peace. Lord, I just hand it all to you right now. Lord, I raise the flag in my life and I surrender. Father, I thank you that Jesus surrendered 
on the cross to cover our sin. Help us to be people of surrender. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.